And one thing we know for sure that doesn't work is just telling yourself that everything is okay now. Completing the cycle is not an intellectual decision. It's a physiological shift. You actually have to do something. And how we know that we've actually completed the cycle, it's kind of like shifting gears if you're riding a bike. It just all of a sudden it's clunky, clunky, you're shifting the gear and then it smooths itself out. That's how we know we've completed the cycle. And the more regularly you exercise, the more easily you can get there. Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. Today's episode is all about stress and overwhelm, the differences between them, how they show up in the body, and some tools to help us through them. We are stressed, all of us, and every single day we experience stress, some of us more than others, and sometimes we are less stressed than at other times. And by now, we all know that chronic stress is bad for us and most definitely bad for our bodies. For me, when I'm feeling stressed, my heart beats a little faster, I can get very sweaty, and I find myself short-tempered. I forget to eat, and when I do eat, I crave things that are not good for me, most likely sugary, sweet things, and sleep. Forget about it. So when I'm really stressed, I struggle to sleep through the night. I can usually fall asleep, but I cannot sleep through the night. And when I finally do fall asleep, I grind my teeth to the point that I wake up with ear and jaw pain. And this only happens when I'm really stressed. This was a part of how I knew I needed to make a career change, how I knew I needed to stop being a wedding photographer because that last season that was super busy for me, I was having this TMJ, this jaw pain every night. And every night I would be up in the middle of the night for hours not being able to sleep. That was how my body told me that I was stressed and I needed to make a change. So there are huge differences between being stressed and being overwhelmed, and more than likely you've said the phrase, I'm so overwhelmed right now, when what you really meant to say was you were stressed. I love Brene's example about working in restaurants in Atlas of the Heart and the differences between stress and overwhelm. I too worked in restaurants, and fun fact, it was the only job I've ever been fired from, so I totally get it. And then I worked in the wedding industry for over 13 years as a wedding photographer, working events, and weddings are very stressful, high-pressure events. You have to get it right in the moment. So I get this. So the language, the lingo, is uh, stress is being in the weeds, and we experience this feeling every single day. And overwhelm is I'm blown, which is a much rarer occurrence. So if you are working in a restaurant or working at an event and you say I'm in the weeds, it means you're still conscious enough to know and to ask for what you need. So you could be like, I'm in the weeds, I need 
somebody to deliver bread to tables four, six, and eight, a check to table 10, and water to table two. You can ask for what you need. Yes, you are stressed and you're feeling that, but you're still cognitive of what's happening. If you were to say, I'm blown, you would say this to a coworker and you would literally walk out of the restaurant. You would get in your car for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, you would leave the area and do nothing. And you would not even tell them what it was, all the things you had going on. So if you say this to a coworker, they would go to the host stand and they would say, okay, what tables does she have? And then divvy up all of the things that needed to be done that was causing you to be so overwhelmed. The only thing we can do in overwhelm is to do nothing. You are not, you're cognitively impaired. You cannot make good decisions when you're in overwhelm. We need to just hand everything over. And I had a dear friend who was a single mom and very often she was in stressful situations And our language, before we knew this language from Brene, was we would say to each other, yep, I've hit the wall. And to us, that meant overwhelm. We both knew it was a shared language between us, and we both knew that the other person would have to totally take over whatever we were doing, all the decision-making. So if you've hit the wall, then and you said that, then the other person would just need to take over everything, right? That was overwhelm. Brene's definition of stressed from Atlas of the Heart is we feel stressed when we evaluate environmental demand as beyond our ability to cope successfully. This includes elements of unpredictability, uncontrollability, and feeling overloaded. Does this not totally sum up the last two and a half years? Many of us have felt stressed not just from COVID itself, but because of all the major effects it had on our day-to-day lives and the unpredictability, uncertainty, and uncontrollability that it brought with it. We humans love certainty, but in reality, there is no certainty. It's just an illusion, but we are human, so we forget that and we feel stress. The definition of overwhelm is an extreme level of stress an emotional and or cognitive intensity to the point of feeling unable to function. So why does this matter? Why does the language matter? I know that myself, I've used the word overwhelmed when I was actually feeling stressed. And the language matters because when we can actually identify, correctly identify what it is we're feeling for ourselves, we can recognize what it is we need and we're able to ask for what we need. So one day, my sister called and said she was so overwhelmed, like we've all done before. And I said, I think you may actually be feeling stressed. And I sent her a podcast with Brene where she talked about the differences between the two. At this time, it was right when Atlas of the Heart was coming out, and I was deep into listening to every podcast with Brene on it. So shortly after our conversation, my sister texted me and she said she was feeling stressed and she told me about a time when she was overwhelmed. So now anytime either of us says we are stressed or overwhelmed, we now know what each other is actually feeling. The language matters. It helps us to understand one another so much better. 
John Kabat-Zinn describes overwhelm as the all-too-common feeling that our lives are somehow unfolding faster than the human nervous system and psyche are able to manage well. And cure for overwhelm is nothingness or play. Think of it as a timeout for yourself. And in Alice of the Heart, Brene highlights the work of Carol Gomm, And she describes overwhelm as an experience where our emotions are intense. They're at like level 10. Our focus on our emotions is moderate. So scale would be like at a level five. And our clarity about what we're feeling is low enough that we get confused when trying to identify or describe the emotions, which would put it at like a level one. So when we're feeling overwhelmed, we can make some of the worst decisions of our lives because we can't process other emotional information accurately. Back when my husband and I were first dating, he was living above the garage at his parents' house. His parents had built a new house and they'd built this like apartment above the garage. And I was, of course, staying over there as much as I possibly could. And One day, Ian and I were both up there, and all of a sudden, we hear the loudest sound. The entire house starts to shake and vibrate, and this crashing sound, and it just keeps going. And I opened up the door, so I opened the door to go downstairs, and the stairs were knocked completely out. They were gone, and I saw our friend's car He had driven through the garage, so the door was shut. He drove through the garage, through part of the foundation, and his car was tipped on the side because, of course, there were also stairs going down to the basement, and so the car with two of the tires were in the stairwell to go into the basement, and the other two tires were in the air. Now, in this moment, I went into complete stress mode cortisol was through the roof. My heart was racing. I was feeling that stress. And Ian, on the other hand, went into overwhelm immediately. So Ian never even looks down the stairs. He does not see. He has no visual that this is our friend who in fact has seizures and suffers from seizures and was having a seizure while driving the car. Ian is on the floor. He literally hits the floor, never looks down, and never comes to help or anything like that. He's in complete overwhelm. He can do nothing in this moment. He has no ability to cognitively think straight. And later I would find out that he thought it was his mom. He had no reason to, you know, think it was his friend or he thought it was his mom and and didn't understand what was happening, right? So for me, when I was in stress, I was still able to take action. So I hopped down onto the roof of the car, saw that our friend was having a seizure, climbed in the passenger seat. I took uh, his foot off of the gas because he was still, his foot was on the gas. The wheels were still turning and he was driving into the foundation of the house. Took his foot off the gas while he was having the seizure, was able to stop the car from at least moving, right? I was able to have his phone and call an ambulance. 
This was me being in stress. I was able to make decisions even though my body was completely flooded with cortisol. I was feeling all the effects of it in my body and Ian was in overwhelm. He couldn't do anything. And our friend ended up being okay and the house was okay. We, of course, had to have the garage fixed and have new stairs put in. And sure enough, of course, my future in-laws came home while all of this was happening. And so they came home to ambulances in the driveway and a fire truck and all of that. But this is the difference between overwhelm and stress. So when we hit that stress point, you can still think, but when you hit the overwhelm, you can't make any decisions. You are not helpful in that moment. So let's dive deeper into stress. Stressful situations cause both a physiological, which is a body response, and a psychological response, which would be your mind and your emotion. Some of the main body's response to stress is an increase in your heart rate, an increase in cortisol. And our emotional reaction is more tied to our cognitive assessment of whether we can cope with the situation than how our body's reacting. So it's not that our emotions respond to how our body's freaking out, but rather our emotions are responding to how we are thinking about the situation. So it's responding to how well can I handle this? How well can I handle this situation that I'm in? Navigating stressors is a daily part of living. However, daily stress can take a toll. So chronic exposure to stressors can be detrimental to our health. And high levels of perceived stress have been shown to correlate with more rapid aging, decreased immune function, greater inflammatory processes, less sleep, and just poorer health behaviors all around. My favorite book about stress is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. And there's a difference between stressors and stress. So a stressor would be a lion chasing you, a dog chasing you. The stressor would be the bill in the mail that you can't pay. For me, the other day I walked out and I had not one ticket on my car, but two tickets on my car. That is a stressor. A stressor could be an aging parent or a loved one that is struggling. A stressor could be an illness. And so there's differences between stressors and stress. If a lion was chasing you, the lion is the stressor and you're getting chased by this lion, you're running, 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 and then someone shoots the lion. The lion is dead, it's no longer chasing you. So the stressor's gone, but you're still feeling the stress in your body. So even though the lion is no longer chasing you, you're still in that heightened state, that fight, flight, freeze, you're in the flight stage, right? You're feeling the stress in your body. And just because you've dealt with the lion, just because you've dealt with the stressor, doesn't mean you've dealt with the stress itself. So what we have to do is actually complete the stress cycle, or it will slowly kill you. That's what stress does. So in most situations in the West, the stress itself will kill you much faster than the stressor itself will. 
The good news is you don't have to wait until all of your stressors are dealt with before you actually deal with your stress. And the most efficient way to actually complete the stress cycle is physical activity. So if you were being chased by the lion, back to the lion story, if you're being chased by the lion and then the lion dies and you continue running and you just run and run and then you get to your village and you celebrate and you dance around the fire and you shout and move and move your body, that's you completing the stress cycle. But if you're to be in a really stressful situation, say you're in a stressful situation at your workplace and you don't have the time or the space, it's not appropriate to deal with your stress, you can't all of a sudden start dancing or running or moving and you say, I'll deal with this later, what you're doing is you've dealt with the stressor, yet you haven't actually dealt with stress and you're just adding another layer of stress to your body. The best ways to actually complete the cycle, the first and the most efficient way is physical activity. So if you were to do 20 to 60 minutes a day, it would help you deal with the load of everyday stress. For me, my favorite way to deal with it is either walking or hiking really fast in nature. If I'm feeling really stressed, the first thing I want to do is get out and walk as fast as I can. That helps me move the stress through my body. But there's other ways to complete it too. So any type of movement, yoga, dance, running, swimming, that can all move it through your body. Breathing. So if you are in a place where you can't move, go change your breathing. So if you slow your breath down, the longer you make your breath, the slower the thoughts will start to move through you. So you want to move into long, deep breathing. I also have a breathing exercise, just a short three-minute breathing exercise I'm going to share at the end of this podcast so you can try that out. It's a meditation or a pranayam to alleviate stress. Another way is a positive social interaction. And so they highlight this in the book Burnout. This would be if you were feeling stressed and you went to a Starbucks and you talk to the barista, somebody you've never met, never seen before, and you just have this positive interaction. Maybe you tell her you like her hair and you just have a friendly conversation. What this is doing is this is telling your brain that the world is a safe place and that not everything is stressful. So this can help you to lower your stress. Another way is laughter. So when I'm really stressed, I will watch, I have, I think, three favorite shows, The Mindy Project, New Girl, or Schitt's Creek that I can laugh at no matter how many times I've seen them. So if I'm feeling really stressed, I will watch one of these shows. So very often during a fertility cycle, if I'm, you know, going through an IVF cycle and I'm feeling really stressed, I will just watch funny things every night before I go to bed. Another way is affection. This is a 20-second hug. So if you are to hug somebody for 20 seconds, try it. It is much longer than um, you are typically hugging someone for. Or even if you're petting a cat or a dog, 
affection can help you to lower your stress. Crying. This is probably my next favorite after physical movement. So if you've ever cried when you feel really stressed and then all of a sudden you feel better, it's because you're helping to complete that stress cycle. Another one that I wasn't sure about, but I tried because burnout talked about it, was creative expression. So if you were to feel stressed and then you started painting a painting or working on some sort of creative project, which I did, you will notice a difference from when you first started and when you finished. That helps you move the stress through your body. Really anything. There's so many different things that can help you move through your stress cycle. It's whatever gives you a safe place to move through the cycle of stress. Let's talk about flight, fight, or freeze. Flight happens when your brain notices a threat and decides you are more likely to survive by trying to escape. So this was the running from the lion. You're in flight. Fight happens when your brain decides you're more likely to survive the threat by trying to conquer it. So when you fight back. This happened recently. I have so many examples of this from my crazy puppy, Boz, who likes to go after a lot of animals. So he recently went after a woodchuck, and I could not believe it. He got the woodchuck in his mouth at one point and then dropped the woodchuck, and this woodchuck kept coming at Boz, so it kept coming at him and attacking him. So the woodchuck went into fight, Because at that point, the woodchuck had decided that he was more likely to survive by fighting. And then there is freeze. And this would be what happens with bunnies. I have never noticed this so much until having this crazy, beautiful puppy, Bozzy. He will chase bunnies. And very often when he sees a bunny in the yard, the bunny will freeze. The bunny will not even run and try and get into the taller grass. The bunny freezes. And so this is when the brain assesses that the threat and your best hope of survival is to play dead until the threat goes away or someone comes along to help you, which in the bunny's case is usually me getting Boz to uh, come back to me for, you know, a treat or a cookie and leave the bunny alone. So freeze is the last ditch effort. In the middle of the stress response, your brain slams on the brake. So this is your parasympathetic nervous system, and it swamps the sympathetic nervous system, and you just completely shut down. We also see the completing of the stress cycles with animal shaking. So if a gazelle is chased by a lion, and say it's taken down by the lion, the gazelle will play dead while the lion goes back to get all the other lions to come see this gazelle and eat this gazelle that they got. Well, the gazelle, as soon as the lion leaves to go get the other lions, the gazelle will get up because it was only playing dead. It will get up and it will completely shake its body and then it will run to safety. So the first thing it does is shake. If a cat gets hit by a car and it isn't severely hurt, 
it will shake. It will be on the side of the road shaking. That is the animals completing the stress cycle through shaking. Another way I experienced this was when I woke up from anesthesia. So when I had had my wisdom teeth out, I was waking up from anesthesia and I was in this little cubicle at the dentist's office. I don't know where I was, this dark room. And all I can remember is just crying and crying. That was how I was completing the stress cycle in my body from anesthesia. And one thing we know for sure that doesn't work is just telling yourself that everything is okay now. Completing the cycle is not an intellectual decision. It's a physiological shift. You actually have to do something. And how we know that we've actually completed the cycle, it's kind of like shifting gears if you're riding a bike. It just all of a sudden it's clunky, clunky, you're shifting the gear and then it smooths itself out. That's how we know we've completed the cycle. And the more regularly you exercise, the more easily you can get there. If you let the stress accumulate for days or weeks, one workout is not going to complete all the stress cycles that you have in your body. So it's like if you aren't practicing every day and all of a sudden you go and try and do some workout to move some stress, you might have lowered your stress down to 40%, but there's still stress there. So we want to do something to complete the stress cycle every day. And the most difficult thing about it is that it almost always requires that you stop dealing with whatever caused the stress and you step away from the situation and turn instead towards your own body and emotions. This past winter, it was a super snowy, dark evening, and I was going to pick up my groceries. Because of COVID, I have discovered Instacart and I don't ever want to shop for my own groceries again. So I do do the pickup so I don't have to pay any delivery fees or anything like that. So I was driving to go pick up the groceries. And on my way out, I yelled to Ian, my husband, that I wasn't going to take Bozzy, which I pretty much take him everywhere in the car with me. He has a little bit of separation anxiety, but because Ian was home, I just yelled, I'm not going to take Bozzy in case I get into an accident. I have never said these words before to my husband, but something intuitively in me knew that that was going to be in my future. So sure enough, on my way home, I'd been driving in the snow, I'd been feeling more and more comfortable in the snow. And all of a sudden, I see the cars up ahead of me stopping, and I slam on my brakes and assess that I am not going to be able to stop in time, that I am going to hit the car in front of me. I try to swerve a little bit to the left and check to see if anyone is coming in the opposite lane, which sure enough, somebody was coming. So I swerve the wheel more back to the right. So I'm not going to hit the oncoming traffic, but I'll hit the car in front of me. It was like a slow motion. It was the slowest little fender bender ever. So I tap the car in front of me. On the outside, it looked like a very 
small, easy, not super stressful experience. But what my body did, my body had a way bigger reaction than was actually warranted for this. I see the the car in front of me. He pulls over to the side of the road further to get himself off the side of the road. So I consciously see what he's doing, but I can't cognitively think that for myself I should be doing this. So I move my car maybe six inches. I then see this man get out of the car and assess the damage to his car and assess the damage to my car. And I get out, but my car is still pretty much in the road. It is dark and it is heavily snowing. And I'm now standing in a road where there's still cars coming. And this man looks at me and he's like, you got to get out of the road. Like you either got to get back in your car or move to the side, right? He's like, are you okay to drive? Can you drive up to this plaza that is a couple miles down the road? And I'm like, yes, yes, I can drive to this place. And in this moment, my heart is racing. I am sweating and I am not able to breathe normally. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think of all the things you need to do in a stressful moment. The cortisol is just flooding my body and my heart rate is up, my breathing is up, all the things. I drive to the nearest plaza where this man told me to meet him at. And when he gets out of the car, I see him and he looks like a man that I might be a little bit intimidated by. He's a little rough around the edges, right? And he looks at me, he sees me get out of the car and he sees that I'm shaking. I'm now so stressed and on this verge of overwhelm that he's like, comes up to me and says, are you okay? And I look at him and I'm like, I'm not okay. He asked me if I need a hug. This older man who was a little rough around the edges, who looks at me, he asked me if I need a hug and I say yes. So he embraces me and I hug him And I feel myself calm down a little bit, maybe like 10%. I feel the stress starting to dissipate, but not much. So we look at the cars. There is absolutely no damage to his car. And my car has the license plate is a little bit bent and there's a crack in the fender, but that's it. And so he's looking at the cars and saying that there's really not any damage. And he's using this moment as a learning experience. I truly believe that this man was an earth angel, that this was an experience that if I was to have this experience, he was the most perfect person I could have had this experience with. So he starts telling me that when he saw me coming, he took his foot off the brake. So when I hit him, I would just go with him and he would go with me versus me hitting a wall, right? So it actually probably is why there was so minimal damage to either of our cars. So he's looking at the cars and he asked me if I want to call the police or report it to our insurance. He says he has no desire to that there, you know, there really is nothing on his car, but it's it's up to me. So I'm looking at it and 
in this moment, I really am struggling to make a decision and I'm so grateful that he was there to help guide me through this moment. And so, you know, with everything he was saying, I was like, no, I don't think we need to call the police. There's really nothing wrong with either of our cars. And he then asked me, as we're about to part ways, if I need another hug, and to which I accept, and I get another hug from him. I get back in my car. He, I just sit there. He pulls away. I just sit there, and I start to cry. I call my husband, and I then change my breathing. So I tell my husband, I'm, you know, he asked me if I need him to come get me to which I say I don't, but I'm just going to take a moment to sit there and breathe. So I'm crying. I'm releasing some of the stress from my body. And I start trying to change my breath. I try to slow my breath down. I get back into the car, drive home very slowly. And as soon as my husband meets me in the garage, I just hug him and I hold on to him for 20 seconds or more we coincide and my next i'm ne- i'm thinking of all the things that we do to to complete the stress cycle and i can just feel it my body is having such a big response to an experience that was not this dramatic so i grab bazi the dog and put him in my lap even though he is much bigger than a lap dog. I sit on the floor in the kitchen. I'm petting the dog. The dog has no idea what's going on, right? I then call a friend and I talk it through, tell the story to her. So by saying it out loud, that can help me to release some of the stress. And that night I go to sleep and I fall asleep, but then I wake up and I'm, I'm up the rest of the night and I can just feel that this stress response in my body is what's keeping me awake. I can feel this is what happens when we have the cortisol spike in our body. And I also was recognizing that I was triggered by this incident. So I am very good under stress. Being a wedding photographer, I pride myself on being good under stressful situations. I am the person that other people look to when they are stressed, right? But this experience, I still to this day don't know exactly what was triggered within me, but I know that the reaction was so much bigger than the experience warranted. And that means that there is stress locked in my body, that there is stress, there are other emotions in my body. And when we find ourselves having a bigger reaction to something, it's because we've been triggered. So I did all the things to try and heal this, but really it did not move through the body until the next day when I was able to get out in nature and go for a hike. So for me, physical movement is definitely the thing that can move the needle the most. Some resources to dive deeper into stress, definitely Atlas of the Heart and Burnout, the book Burnout. I will uh, link both of these in the show notes. Burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. Now I would love to share a quick meditation, a pranayama, a breathing exercise, and it's called the meditation to alleviate stress. 
How we do this meditation is you're going to start by sitting tall. So placing your feet on the floor if you're in a chair. You can do this in a chair or you can do this sitting on the floor. If you're sitting on the floor, making sure your spine is straight. The breath is eight equal strokes through the nose. So it's like eight sniffs. It sounds like this. So eight equal strokes or eight sniffs through the nose and then one long continuous exhale through the nose. So everything, inhale and exhale is all through the nose. It's eight equal strokes in and then one long continuous exhale out through the nose. And we'll do this just for a quick three minutes. So close your eyes, spine is straight, and begin with eight equal strokes in through the nose and then one long continuous breath out through the nose.
Inhale. Exhale. And just tune into how you're feeling, noticing any subtle shifts. And gently opening your eyes and coming back to this time and space. That was the meditation to alleviate stress. And I will have a link in the show notes that'll bring you to a video I created, just a quick three-minute video. So if you want to continue to do this breath, just go to the show notes. And we'll end with this week's poem. This week's poem is called The Trough by Judy Brown. There is a trough in waves, a low spot where the horizon disappears and only sky and water are our company. And there we lose our way unless we rest, knowing the wave will bring us to its crest again. There we may drown if we let fear hold us in its grip and shake us side to side and leave us flailing, torn, disoriented. But if we rest there, in the trough, in silence, being in the low part of the wave, keeping our energy and noticing the shape of things, the flow, then time alone will bring us to another place where we can see horizon, see land again, regain our sense of where we are and where we need to swim. The Trough by Judy Brown. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're ready to dive deeper into your own emotional expedition, I invite you to join me in an intimate eight-week virtual book study of Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And in case you're not quite ready to join the study, I wanted to share a free offering that I often suggest to people as a little bit of a compass to get them started on their emotional journey, the meditation to alleviate stress. You can find the meditation and the book study linked below. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.